This is the Marketing Podcast Network. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Stories influence, teach, and inspire us. But what about the storytellers who create them? Uncorking a Story profiles storytellers to uncover how their background and life experiences influence the stories they create. We learn what motivates them, their path to success, and what fuels them to keep creating. It all starts by asking one simple question. Where does your story begin? Welcome to Uncorking a Story. Now here's your host, Mike Carlin. Well, hello and welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today I'm very excited to introduce you to Trish Michael. Trish is an author, artist, photographer, and two-time cancer survivor living in Maui, Hawaii, and working to make the world a better place with all that she does. Her books, which have been written for her own children at difficult stages in their lives, are her way of reminding them and the world that anything is possible. Steeped in hard-won wisdom and written to empower, her books use fun rhymes and comforting cadence to make hard-to-swallow truths easily to digest. Easy to digest. Look at me, butchering my intro. She joins me today to talk about her life and work. Welcome to Uncorking Story, Trish. Thank you for having me. Well, Trish, I'm happy to have you here. I'm a little jealous that you're in Hawaii. Um, I've never been to Hawaii. It's, it's on my bucket list of places to go. But before we talk about Hawaii, we have to talk about you. And I'm curious to know, Trish, where does your story begin? Well, you know, it starts at the beginning, and that really depends on <laughs> what what we're talking about. I actually really like to start my my story when my life kind of began again. Um, I lived my life in an abusive marriage, and things were not really very good for me um, until I hit 40. And then I got divorced and started on this path of, um, sort of like self-love and self-transformation. And that is where sort my sharing of what I'd already written during that process had, has come out and where new books have come out. So, um, I suppose that's where my story starts. Yeah. Okay. So it starts with a, a fair amount of strategy and, and, and rough road. It sounds by mm-hmm. being in a, how, how long were you in that marriage for? Um, together for 20, married for 15 of that. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a big chunk of, uh, big chunk of time. Big uh, chunk. Yeah. Well, tell me about, about writing. I mean, this is, this is a podcast focused on, on authors. When, where does, um, where does writing enter your life? So when my oldest daughter was about a fetus, <laughs> she, she um, showed that she was going to be a, a bit of a challenge for me and her whole life growing up and, and likely because of the situation that, that I was in, her um, behavior was a little mm, questionable. And when she hit being a teenager, things got kind of dicey. And that's where my first book, Find Your Happy, was written. It was um, sort of an ode to her and how if you 
start to make the connection between your choices and what happens, you can turn your life around and make it something really wonderful. Um, the irony of that piece of writing is that I was writing this to a person that I loved dearly, but she was watching me not do what I was saying she should do. So um, that writing was about 10 years ago. And then once I left my ex-husband and started finding more self-love, I revisited the writing um, and added some sort of like some of what I had learned coming out of that, that situation. And that's when I decided to get it illustrated and, and published. So your daughter's kind of looking at you saying, mom, you're not really practicing what you're preaching here. She's kind of calling a little bit on that. Yeah. And I mean, the book itself is very much like it's things that we all know. It's not like some new profound insight. It's just like a reminder of all these things that we know, but we tend to for forget them. Uh, the most important of which is like loving yourself, like love yourself first. You have to be your own best friend if you want your life to be um, filled with good people and good things. So um, I had to be that for me in order for my kids to get the point of the book. So right. I think it was more for me than for her, I guess. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm curious, once you started kind of doing that for yourself, right, you, you kind of went on this journey of self-love, which, you know, maybe we can get into a little bit more, but did you find her behavior change? I mean, did you find that she was then, you know, more open to making changes in, in her life? Unfortunately not. Like I'd love to share that my book changed everything and you should get it because it'll change you too. Um, there is this part of um, happiness that there, it's like a recipe. And the most important part of that is you wanting it. And you can't really force that on anyone. Some people become so... Uh, identified with their trauma, that letting go of that as their identity is like too scary. Um, and I think that might be the space that she's in right now. Mm -hmm. But I know the book has changed me dramatically and it is helping my own kids and other kids with trauma and moms. Like moms are reaching out to me when they read it to their kids and they're like, was this supposed to make me cry? Because I'm crying. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it may not have hit where I wanted it to, but it is still doing good. And was this the first thing you've ever written and published? Or did did you have a little bit of a writer inside you like your entire life? I do think um, that I I have always been a... The, all of my books are written in Limerick, which is very strange because they're like heavy subject matter. And I'm like thinking in Limerick. Um, but I've always been a poet. I had a poem uh, published on... on I think it was the principal's office outside the principal's office in kindergarten. I had written something and they put it up there. And then I wrote a poem in fifth grade and the teacher was like, so taken aback by it that he accused me of having not written it myself. And I kind of was not in a great space in my home life. And I remember that moment and I was like, screw this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, like, what is the point of putting good out if people are going to be like, that couldn't have come from you. So I kind of like shut that part of me down um, pretty early on, but it pushed its way back out. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. stop it. 
Yeah, that I guess that I don't want to say beast, but that that drive d- doesn't go away quietly. You know, if if mm-hmm. you are a writer, if you've got that talent, it will come out of you at at some point in time. That's right. Um, you know, I, you mentioned kind of having a, a difficult home life at that period of time in your life. Um, what what was going on there? Um, do you feel comfortable well, sharing that? Or? Yeah. Um, and I'm actually, I feel like I my life right now, what I'm going through right now, I'm like rewiring generations of wonky DNA for the women in my family. Um, My mom uh, attempted suicide when I was five and then left my dad. And I was kind of left in a household with my dad and my sister. And um, it wasn't like a great situation at all. we were kind of left to our own devices, my sister and I, and because I had been so attached to my mom, I was sort of this like trigger for my dad, like, because I was so close to her and was always missing her. Um, we had a very strange relationship. He was always angry with me. And so I kind of grew up feeling like I was awful and that everyone was mad at me because I was awful. And so you can imagine when you have yet another person who's supposed to be like a supportive figure being like, well, you couldn't have written that. It just like starts you on this trajectory of thinking everything I do is garbage. So maybe I shouldn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and that's like a big part of what writing for me now is like realizing that there was always good in me. I was always a good person. And now I get to help other people who may be walking that same path. Yeah. Did, did you think, um, and again, sorry to get so personal here, but you have a very oh, personal story. You know, these, these patterns that you saw and witnessed in your childhood were, were they repeated in, a, in, in your marital relationship? That was, you know, sounds like, a. yeah. So it seems, so this is all like what I figured out, like as a highly therapized adult, um, my, I think what was going on was like, their relationship was toxic, wasn't good. My mom left um, and he didn't like that. <laughs> and so he punished her and he took us away from her. Um, and that had a huge impact on me because I was so close to my mom. And as a five-year-old, you need a mom. So I am right now dealing with a custody battle. I left this man five years ago and he's very abusive towards my kids and they don't want to be there anymore. Um, but he's fighting me because he knows it hurts me financially in all of the ways. So my mom lost us. She did not win. She tried, but she didn't have like the support system that I have any of the things that I have right now. So, um, I am putting my best foot forward and I'm facing these fears, the system, my ex, all of these things to get my kids back. And I think it's creating this like healing for my mom and it's creating healing for me and God, I hope that we are successful and it will create healing for my kids as well. Yeah. How old are your kids now? 16 and 12. Okay. Those are tough ages. Yeah. But they're actually really exceptional kids. So I'm like the luckiest mom and I'm just, I really want them to be in a space where they can flourish. Yeah. You know? 
Um, just going back to writing that first book, um, how did you go about getting it out into the world? Did you go through like a traditional publishing process? Did you self-publish? How did you do it? So I read it out loud to someone for the first time, I think like two and a half years ago, it had just sat. It was just this thing that I had and I had sent it to my oldest daughter and she had kind of like, whatever, didn't, didn't hit for whatever reason. Um, and that was the the beginning of it kind of taking on its own life, like speaking those words out loud, which was really difficult for me to share this part of me. Um, and from that point, it was like, okay, I really think this needs to be illustrated and turned into a book and I need to get it out there. Um, but the last five years have been really intense. When you leave an abuser, they don't stop. They like turn it up. So I was thinking, okay, I could try and get this published through normal channels, but I'm hearing that there is an enormous amount of rejection involved in that. And I don't know if I can personally handle that at this point in my life. So I'll run a Kickstarter and I'll see if I can get funded. And if I can, then I'll self-publish. And I've always kind of just walked my own path and done things backwards or my own way. I was like, I can probably figure it out on my own. I'm still trying to figure it out. But um, yeah, I decided to do it that way because of my psyche not being, I think, in a good place for that process. Well, you you are right in saying that there's a lot of rejection involved in the process, you know, just starting with, you know, trying to find, trying to get representation, um, yeah. somebody to, to, you know, help you sell the book to a publisher. It's, um, you know, I, I could litter this wall behind me, which is, you know, embarrassingly empty. Um, but I could, I could wallpaper it with rejection letters from, from literary agents and agencies and stuff like that. It is, it's just part of the, it's, you know, unfortunately for most of us, not, not all of us, because some people do, you know, get lucky or their persistence like really pays off or they network their way into a, a relationship. I, I interviewed somebody a couple of weeks ago who found her agent on Twitter. Um, oh, wow. you know, just, and it was, uh, the first time I heard Twitter being used for good. So, <laughs> um, you know, it was, uh, there's, there's different paths to it, but, um, but, you know, going the self-publishing route, you know, you, you know, it's your work, you get it out into the world and, you know, you get a little bit more control over it as well. Um, and so I do think that for me, it was like a confidence issue now that I've put a book out and it's had really good reception. Now I've got my second book, my Kickstarter just funded three days ago for that one. And I have the confidence now where I could present these to someone and they could say it's not for us and I wouldn't take it personally. But I needed to go through this first, I think, in order to get there. All right. So remind me of the name of that first book. The first book is Find Your Happy. Find Your Happy. Yeah. And is it available? How do, What kind of distribution do you have on it? Is it Amazon only or is it everywhere? So I've got it on Amazon Kindle and then also offer hard copies through Amazon. You can also get it through my website, trishmichael.com. Um, and there's a couple of stores here in Hawaii. If you want to fly out to Hawaii, you can buy it at Collections in Makawao. Um, but yeah, really working on right now compiling like my plan for getting this and my newest book out to more people. Yeah. So what brought you to Hawaii? Can I assume that you're not from Hawaii? I'm not from Hawaii, originally from the East Coast. And my ex-husband, who I mentioned, woke up one day and said, we're moving to Hawaii. And I was like, okay. 
Um, sure, why not? Well, I'm going to argue. I'm realizing now that he may have read that you can be a criminal here <laughs> and have zero consequences. That might have been why he decided to come here. I'm not sure. But um, as beautiful as it is and as much as I have loved it here, my tenure here is ending very shortly and I'm moving back east. Um, it's hard to live in paradise. It's really expensive. We have a housing crisis. Um, I've just gotten my third cancer diagnosis. So I need to be somewhere where I can get better health care and all of those things. Well, that, yeah, that was definitely one of the uh, parts of your journey that I wanted to talk about, uh, which, um, you know, being a two-time cancer survivor and now, unfortunately, you just kind of divulged, uh, there's a third time. Three times. Uh, it's going to be three-time winner. Three times. Three, three times <laughs> winner. Get it. Um, I, what can you share about, about your, uh, your battle with cancer, your battles with cancer? Hmm. I would say I don't handle things in a mainstream way. Um, and I would recommend more people looking into that. Uh, it's a tough road because there's a lot of fear. So as soon as you get a diagnosis, you not only are dealing with your, like your more mortality is right in front of your face, which can be really terrifying. But then all the people that you love and all your doctors, everyone just starts getting really scared because that word, like you just, it strikes fear into you. You hear a lot of stories of people who die from cancer, suffer through their treatment. My story is very different and I feel very grateful and lucky and hopeful that I will continue to have this, this story. It's not been easy, but, um, I, I do want to encourage everyone to kind of see beyond what the mainstream puts out there. And, and really like my mindset has been huge in handling the, all the traumas, my kids being traumatized and abused and cancer, like keeping your mind in the right place is like really key to your healing. I think on a lot of levels. So, I mean, with, with all of the challenges that have put in front of you, I mean, starting from childhood, um, mm -hmm. of course, continuing through adulthood, have you found you're happy? Yes. And, and what I found is that it's, it's a practice. It's not a thing that you get. It is a choice that you make in every moment of your life. Like I can choose to be really sad right now because there's a lot of really heavy things going on in my life. Or I can look at this as an opportunity to go where the darkness is and try and shed light. And that's my choice. And that's how I find my happy. Doesn't mean that's how other people do. But um, if you take care of yourself and put yourself first, that puts you in a place of knowing what will bring you that happiness in all of your moments. So I encourage everyone to do that. Well, it's, it's so hard. And I don't know why, like, why is it so hard for us to put ourselves first? I mean, I, I, you know, you're talking to somebody who has always had a hard time putting himself first, you know, married young, three kids, very young. I had, you know, we had triplets. I had three kids by the time. Oh I was my God. Up, you know? Um, yeah. and I was always living for, I always felt like I was like living for other people, you know, versus living, mm -hmm. living for myself. And to some extent, it's what you kind of have to do when you, have a young family and you know you're living on one income in a very expensive part of the world um right but it is it is a challenge for some of us to rewire and you used their term that term before and i really like it like rewire your thinking to say hey you know yeah. what i i am valued i need to be seen um i am worthy of love 
Um, right. And it's, uh, but it's a challenge for some of us to like rewire our brains. I, it's, it, you know, it shouldn't be that hard, but it is. It's totally that hard. And this is the conversation that I have with my kids all the time is you have to keep at it. Like it's not a thing where you do it enough and then all of a sudden you're there and you never have to do it again. Um, I have to wake up every morning and write a pep talk to myself. I have to start my day with my mind going in the right direction and I have to exercise and I have to make sure that I'm doing those things that I know, even though I don't want to do them, it sets the energy in the right direction because I spent 20 years with someone who told me I was garbage and I believed it because I, I was running that story before I even met him. So my whole day starts with what story am I going to tell today? Am I going to tell the story of Trish who was abused or am I going to tell the story of Trish who's winning, Trish who's surviving, Trish who's thriving, Trish who's modeling what she should have modeled her whole life to her kids. So yeah, it's hard, but it's worth it to make that choice as often as you can. So do you, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned kind of telling yourself a story. Do you write every morning? Do you journal? Is that one of the first things you do? Or how do you, how do you tell yourself that story? So I don't, do you, have you ever heard of the artist way that, that book? Yes. Julie yeah. Michaels? yeah. So I had read that not as a writer, um, years and years ago, probably while I was still married. Um, and I think it's a way to unlock or get out of a writer's block or something like that. And one of the things that she suggested was morning pages, which it's just a strain of consciousness. You just write whatever comes to mind. And as soon as I left my ex, I started doing that because I thought it would help me. And it did because it showed me these patterns that I kept on saying. I kept on saying these things and I'm like, I don't like what I'm saying. This, it's true. It's what's happening, but I don't want to keep saying it and I don't want to keep perpetuating it. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to rewire this. I'm going to change this story. I'm going to write the opposite. Okay, this is what's going on, but this is what I want. So instead of a strain of consciousness, it started being a, this is what's going right. This is why I love myself. This is what I'm grateful for. This is what I'm looking forward to in this new life that I'm creating. And I am telling you, doing that every day is profoundly powerful. Yeah, just a, it's a great positive self-talk. Um, you know, it's a great way to, they say to start your day with a big glass of water. I say a big glass of water and some positive self-talk. Um, I still got to do the glass of water. I am constantly dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> they say water before coffee, which is hard for me, but. Um, I say there's water in coffee. That's always what, what I say. <laughs> this is the primary, you know, base of uh you know, <laughs> of coffee is water, right? It's the number one ingredient. Um, Trish, I always like to ask a few fun questions during the course of our interview to get to know my guests a little bit more. And I'm curious to know, um, when you were growing up uh, out on the East Coast, what were some of your favorite TV shows? What did, you, did you have any? Oh, The Brady Bunch. That comes up all the time. Yeah. When I ask this question. What is it about The Brady Bunch? And was there one member of that family that you identify with more than the others? I don't know that I identified with anyone in that family because it was a happy family. I think I just was like, how nice that this blended family, they don't hate each other and no one's screaming at each other or beating the crap out of everyone. Like it just was this nice comical 
family getting along, which was not something that I had in my life. So I, I think I identified with it that way. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I identify with uh, Sam the Butcher. Sam the Butcher? Yeah, you what remember is Sam? that? Sam the Butcher was Alice's boyfriend. He was at the, uh, you know, Alice was the, the housekeeper. Oh my God, <laughs> yes. And there was Sam the Butcher. You didn't see him a lot. Didn't have a lot of lines, but, uh, no. you know, he. Uh, but she was getting some. Alice was getting some. <laughs> Sam was delivering the meat. That's what I like to say. <laughs> That's right. That's, that's, you know, how's that for a little levity in a hard conversation? <laughs> Love it. In addition to uh, the Brady, I can make anything sound dirty, apparently. Uh, in addition <laughs> to the Brady Bunch, anything else? Any other shows that kind of come to mind? Jeopardy. Alex Trebek. Now, here's my question. And I never you. realized like how obnoxious he was until that SNL spoof on him and then every time i would watch him i'd be like oh my god he is kind of rude yeah like a little smug but i loved that show rude for yeah. a canadian my my question for you trebek with mustache or trebek without mustache um i don't like the mustache but i don't like him without the mustache so definitely mustache yeah i go mustache as well mustache yeah. as well so we got two shows let's let's find a third what's a third show roseanne Oof, this is where we have to disagree. Why? I was never a Roseanne fan. I just did not like that show, and I don't know why. I loved that she found humor in it all. And that's really, honestly, that's that's what I want for my life because there's so much heaviness, but we are laughing here as often as possible. And sometimes you have to like make jokes about your dark life. And I feel like they did that. Like they took like poverty and weird stuff that nobody yeah. wanted to talk about and they just made it funny. And I needed that, I think. You know, it was an interesting show from the point of view. And I think she's a great standup. I mean, I, I think she's very funny. Um, but I think it was an interesting show from the point of view that you didn't see a lot of like lower middle class white families on TV in those yeah. days. And now, you know, you had your you had your good times, right? You know, you had your lower income black families, but you didn't have a lot of lower income white families. And I right. think that was um, that was uh, that was something different anyway for network TV, you know, during that period of time. And a mouthy broad. Like I, I can get down with a mouthy broad. Like I am a very opinionated and outspoken person. And that's oftentimes misconstrued as being a bitch. Mm. And I'm not, I am an incredibly kind person and I really only want to put good into the world, but I don't know. I really like when women are portrayed as like strong and real and, and not real thin. Like that's also kind of awesome. You know, <laughs> that's true too. True too. Uh, switching gears to music. What did you listen to growing up? What, what kind of bands or artists? Oh, I went through a um, Pink Floyd phase. Sure. This, I mean, I'm all over it, right? the map. Yeah. Uh, I like, I saw the dead. I saw Pink Floyd twice, 10th row center. Oh my God. Rolling Stones. Like I've seen so many bands. Um, and now I just listen to Sickick, like club music. It's bizarre. I'm a weirdo. <laughs> there's no, no judgment here. Um, but there's, to me, there's no one better than David Gilmore on guitar. 
um, you know, from Pink Floyd. His his yeah, tone on, on on comfortably numb. Uh, forget about it. I mean, you point to those two solos. Uh, they're masterpieces. Wish you were here. My 16 year old son plays that and it brings me to tears every time. That's a great one. A great one. What about books and authors? Who did you like to read growing up? I didn't like to read. I don't get a lot of authors who, who will say that to me. No, I am a bit, I'm like, I am the way with books that I am with cookies. Like I will binge read like 40 books and then I won't read for like five years. And I won't remember what was in any of those 40 books because they all become one book because I read them so close together. So I'm useless in that regard. Um, The Celestine Prophecy and The Prophet. Those are two that stick with me. Celestine Prophecy was something Redmond, Redmond James, who who wrote that? I I remember uh, reading that when I was going through my self-help phase. Yeah, 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 (laughs) exactly. There are no coincidences in life. (laughs) Well, I need that. I need to think that way. I definitely do. So I think that that's why I love that one for sure. Um, You know, I know you've done a lot of clearly a lot of work on yourself. Uh, I also believe that we all have inner children inside us. Do, Do you believe that you have an inner child? And if so, how do you feed your inner child? Um, my, that's a, that's a really great question because I have a hard time identifying with my inner child because my actual child had to grow up so fast. Right. So it's been a really interesting, um, process of writing again, which was something that I did as a child. I also do chalk art, which was something I did as a child. So all of these things that I'm doing as an adult that feel kind of silly to be doing as an adult, like writing poetry and rubbing my fingerprints off in chalk on the pavement. Um, I think that's how I, I feed her. And then every time I hug my kids, like that is helping me so much because I there was zero affection in my life so I have to like learn how to be super affectionate with my kids because I adore them and I want them to be loved but that's like a win for both my inner child wins and their inner child wins so hopefully hopefully we're doing a good job with that you know you just you talk about chalk art I remember coming home from work um and seeing my kids in the driveway just like drawing on and with with chalk and i'm like god i miss those days you know when they were just yeah. like and some of them were like little masterpieces like my daughter gracie yeah. is such a a talented artist um you know and i don't see her work that much anymore like she kind of hides it now you know but mm-hmm. when she did, it was like i mean it was she was very uh prolific with that stuff um maybe maybe, well, maybe you should buy some chalk and go out there good. with them Maybe yeah. I should, well, she's in college now. It'd be fun to see her like at her, you know, in her college house, like drawing in the in the driveway. I think that would be kind of fun. That would be um, fun. I've got two more questions for you before I need to let you go. Uh, the first would be on your right forearm. I see a tattoo. Oh, I've got many. We've got a few. Okay. So these are life lessons. So when I learn it, when I feel like I've learned it, or when I feel like I'm going to forget it, <laughs> I write it on my body. (laughs) Can you read some of those? Um, Well, rumor has it, this one says breathe. I'm not really sure because I I don't speak this language. These are all um, Tibetan calligraphy. Um, And then this one is self-love. And I have one on my, 
the back of my neck. Um, and that one is no mud, no lotus. And that one is a big one for me. <laughs> okay. What does that mean? No mud, no lotus. So for me, what it means is the beauty comes out of the darkness. So if you don't have the challenges and the, the adversity, you can't have the beautiful flower that comes out of that. So, um, when I got it, I was very much in the mud and mm. now I'm very much in this phase of blooming and, and starting to see the results of all of the work. And, um, it just, that one has more and more meaning every day for me. So we've got three tattoos. You have more tattoos than that. I do. I have um, two on my legs, but I haven't shaved in forever. So I'm not showing them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that kind of show. Um, <laughs> and then lastly, if you could write your uh, younger self uh, a letter, maybe it's that, that, um, you know, that, that little girl, uh, that, that younger Trish who was told by that teacher that she must have copied uh, or plagiarized that poem. Um, what would you tell your younger self? How would you, what kind of words of advice or encouragement would you give your younger self? I would give her this and I'm not even kidding. That's not even like a shameless plug, even though it kind of appears to be. This is like all of the things that I need to hear. And I, I read them every day now because um, I still, we all still need reminders. So yeah. If you yeah. want to find out what it is, get my book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, I know we talked about it before, but people can get your book at Amazon, um, Kindle, as well as uh, print, um, hard copy print version. Um, if people aren't, want to reach out to you on social media or through a website, do you have uh, some details you can share? I'll be sure to put them in the show notes. Sure. Um, website is trishmichael.com. Um, Instagram, I am Trish Michael is my handle. I don't know. Do people do Facebook anymore? I mean, if you're like me and not cool, you absolutely do. Thank you. Cause I'm on there. Um, but I really, I don't remember it. Cause I, I have to change everything. So I don't even remember that. So we don't have to, I can do some digging and find it for you. Probably I'm there somewhere. <laughs> well, very good. Well, Trish. Oh, I, lastly, um, uh, you mentioned having a second book in the works. You just did a Kickstarter oh, yeah. for it. When, um, when might that be out? So it's printing right now. I just got funded and that allowed me to pull the trigger on printing, which is awesome. Um, I should have a small number here, um, to fulfill those orders in like two or three weeks. Um, the, the Kickstarter is still going. If anyone wants to um, pledge to that, you can get an early copy. Um, and yeah, that'll be released in about a month's time. All right. And what's the name of that book? That one is Light. Light. All right. Light. Very good. Well, Trish, thank you for bringing some light to my day. Oh, thank you. And you the same. I will never forget Sam the Butcher. <laughs> giving Alice the meat. That's uh, right. <laughs> this, this was very enjoyable. Thank you very much, Trish. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to Uncorking a Story. If you'd like more information about today's guest or to find out more about Mike, go to uncorkingastory.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in every week to hear Mike Carlin uncork a new story.